Good morning, Maple Grove. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Hey, this morning we're jumping back into our verse-by-verse study of the Gospel of Matthew, specifically the Lord's Prayer, the powerful prayer that Jesus unveiled in his kingdom manifesto. And yeah, I know it's been a minute, right, since November 20th, but we're jumping back in the day. And so far we've looked at the first 44 words of this prayer. And remember, our calls us into community, into relationship. Understand, life and his church is not just about me and mine, it's about us and our. It's not just about our own personal relationship with Jesus, it's about our corporate relationship with Jesus. Father invites us in intimacy with the maker of heaven and earth. Yes, God is the sovereign king of the universe, who breathes out stars, who holds oceans in his hands, stretches out to heaven like a canopy, yet he's also our father. Behold what love the Father's lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is who we are. Who art in the heavens reminds us that God is great, God is near, and that there's always more going on than our eyes can see. Hallowed be your name calls us, calls me, calls you to live lives that are different and distinct from the world around us. A life that passionately pursue a personal, practical, progressive holiness, bringing honor and glory to God's name by the way we live out our lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven reminds us that we're part of a kingdom, that we are our people called and empowered to show the world a different and better way to live. As we help to restore garden intimacy one life at a time, bringing hope to the hopeless, freedom to the captive, food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, belonging to the lonely, purpose to the drifting, salvation to the lost. Give us this daily bread transforms us from fear to confidence, from grumbling to gratitude, from selfishness to selflessness, from trouble to trusting, from greed to contentment, and from merely living to life. Reminding us that our greatest need this day and every day is to depend on and connect with our Father who art in heavens and Jesus who is the bread of life. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors reminds us of the sheer power and beauty of God forgiving us and the absolute necessity that we do the same to those who sin against us. Talk about 44 words that are just overflowing with power, purpose, peace, perspective, praise, confidence, and hope. Amen? Amen. This morning, we're going to dive down into these next 11 words and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Before we dive into these two words, I just want to remind us of the first two conversations we had in this new year. On January the 1st, we had a conversation called Becoming Your Best Me in 2023, and you were asked and harassed to fill out this Becoming Your Best Me in 2023 values survey and setting some 252 goals, intellectual, physical, spiritual, and relational Listen, you do not have to stay where you are. This year really can be different. And this simple sheet could be a roadmap to get you to where you want to go, to where God wants you to go. If you fill it out, if you share it with someone and you refer to it often. And last week, in a message called This is a Football, how about those Jaguars, man? I'll tell you what, I don't know if you watch football, but when you're behind 27 to nothing, that's not good. And you wind up winning the game, you throw four picks in the first half, three in the first quarter, 
and you come back and win. So it's never too late, right? No matter what, I love sports analogies. No matter what the scoreboard of your life is reading right now, right? With God, you can always have a comeback. Amen? In this conversation last week, we talked about some of the key fundamentals that we have to focus on as a church member. Things we need to do, need to be devoted to. That we need to be devoted to the Word of God. We need to be devoted to prayer, to communion, and to the fellowship, which we demonstrate by attending regularly, serving passionately, giving generously, and living togetherly. Devotion to the mission. Show people Christ, bring them to Christ, build them up in Christ, and send them out in the world for Christ to make a difference for Him. And we, we closed off last week with this time where we all were still seated with eyes closed and, you know, and, and I asked people to stand if, they're, if they want to be more devoted this year to his church than ever before. And there was no peaking. I wanted to peak so bad, but I didn't. And I think a lot of people stood up to say, you know what? I, I want this year to be different. I, I want Maple Grove to have her best year ever, right? And if we all do our job, that will happen. And, and so just two, two questions. You know, have you filled out your values slash 252 goals sheet yet? You know the answer. Will you fill it out? And will you be more devoted to his church in 2023 than ever before? Any no's out there? Okay. That would be pretty, pretty tough to say in public, even though we may kind of maybe live it out sometimes. Okay, what we're going to do right now is I'm going to pray. Before we do that, we're going to take two. Take two and welcome those around you, all right? Say hi. Find out what their favorite candy is or something like that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to chat with our friends, get to know a few new people, to be in your house. And Father God, I pray that we will lean into your word this morning, knowing that your word is alive and active. God, I, I pray that you will help us to become the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And, and understand, uh, on my table right here, I have some things, and they are all instruments of death. And now bugs don't know it, but they have an enemy. An enemy that is bigger, smarter, faster, stronger, and more determined than they are. An enemy that stays up late and invests large sums of money to figure out ways to lure little bugs and other pests to their death. And on this table are some of those instruments of death. Question, why do they do that? Like, why would they choose to enter into something that is designed for no other purpose than their death and destruction. Well, you see, their enemy has done extensive research and has discovered that you cannot say to a bug, simply choose death and have them choose it. Therefore, every one of these items on this table involves deception. They involve a promise of life. The bug looks at them and thinks, man, that sure looks good. It smells good. I bet it tastes even better. And so we'll look at a few of these instruments of death, death right here. 
Okay, what I have right there, a power kill mousetrap. Outsmarting rodents since 1898. <laughs> Easy to use. Large strip pedal, convenient, clean, and humane. Okay, I think the mouse could disagree. <laughs> and so you pull back the kill bar until it clicks, and the trap locks in place, apply the bait, and just wait. And so here's what we have here. Do, 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 do. Make sure I do it the right way, because I could get smacked. Oh! <laughs> Crayon. Woo! Okay. And many of us know this. The Roach Motel where roaches check in, and they don't check out, right? Okay, and what I got here, okay, this is a raid, raid ant baits. Ants are attracted by the bait. Ants eat the bait and return to the colony. Ants share the bait, isn't that nice? With the queen and others, killing the entire colony. Kills ants for up to three months. All right, instruments of death. Here is the tarot spider and household insect trap. Traps and kills spiders, ants, roaches, crickets, and other crawling insects. And then we have here the Floatron BK40D electronic insect killer. Patented, high efficiency, non clogging killing grid. A 40 watt, 40 watt ultralight excites insects and lures them into the electric grid where they are electrocuted and fall harmlessly to the ground. <laughs> what of you said this? This model whacks bugs day and night. Death, the flying insects. You see, a bug looks at that and they think, wow, that's a really cool looking light. I, I think I'll just cruise over and get a closer look and zap. Now hear me for a minute. Like, you don't always have to do that, right? And let's try to get inside a bug's head for, for a minute. And you would think after a while these bugs would wise up. You think they would notice that underneath the light is a tray with the bodies of hundreds of the little friends who have gone on before them. And, and listen, electrocuted, dead, crispy, toasted on the bottom of bug zapper was not where they intended to be. But as we have mentioned several times in the last few weeks, it's direction, not intention, that determines our destination. But still, you think there would be at least one thoughtful bug who would say, oh, all right, wait a minute. I'm starting to see a pattern here. <clears throat> all of my friends that have flown that way have never come back. I'm not going to fly any closer, but that really is a nice looking light. Zap. Apparently, they all say to themselves, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm strong enough. I'm smarter than the other guys laying on the bottom of the tray. I'm much too clever. Even if everyone else gets zapped, I never will. And we know what happens, don't we? We know the rest of the story. They, like their friends, end up on the bottom of the tray, dead, crispy, fried, electrocuted by a 40-watt ultraviolet light bulb. Yes, there are ways that seem right to a bug, but they only end in death. But only a bug would be that stupid, right? I mean, only a bug would mindlessly fall for the same trap that has killed countless other bugs. 
Unfortunately, we know that's not the case. I mean, if we listen closely, we will hear the killing grid and the 40-watt ultraviolet lights of this world cracking like a bowl of Rice Krispies. Snap, crackle, pop, zap, zap. Listen, zapping is no respecter of persons. The rich, zap. The poor, teenagers, the elderly, pastors, construction workers, teachers, homemakers, students, pastors, I put them in twice. Nurses, salesmen, business leaders, Republicans, Democrats, Christians, non-Christians, zap, zap, zap. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, stay, from the evil one. Let me show you another instrument of death. I forgot to bring it. (laughs) It's not here. I meant to bring an apple. Okay, so put on your imagination caps. Anybody want to guess what kind of book this one catches? Now, the book of Genesis doesn't say what kind of fruit it was, but it says in the garden was a tree that had fruit and it was forbidden. And in Genesis 3, 6, when the woman, when Eve saw that the fruit was good for food, pleasing to her eyes and desirable for wisdom, she flew right into the light and was zapped along with her husband, Adam, who was flying right beside her. And now you got to wonder, every time you hear about another person who falls into temptation, who destroys their life, who wrecks their marriage, who rocks their family, who turns upside down their world, who does serious damage to their soul, why does it happen? I mean, why do we choose to violate our own values? Why do we voluntarily give into something that we know is going to be destructive? Well, why do intelligent people who really do love God engage in actions and behaviors that they know will pull them away from God and that they later will be ashamed of? Why? Understand the Bible says that a huge part of that reason is that like the bugs we talked about earlier, we have an enemy. An enemy who's bigger, faster, stronger, smarter, and more determined than we are. And since Genesis chapter 3, this enemy has stayed up night and day, and investing all his time and energy looking for ways to lure us in and zap us. Understand the Bible is very clear on this. You may not like it. You may not want to think about it. You may want to ignore it. You may choose to think this is just church talk, pastor talk, no big deal. Doesn't apply to me. But the truth is you have an enemy, an enemy who hates you and who longs to destroy you, an enemy who wants to see you electrocuted, dead, toasted in the bottom of his tray. They tell the person to your right, to your left, you have an enemy. (laughs) Repeat after me. I I was waiting for someone to do that. I know I got kind of a fellow Baltimore on to do that, okay? Repeat. (laughs) Okay. I have an enemy. And he's smarter than me. And he's stronger than me. And he hates me. And he's more determined than me. Guys, it's true. We have an enemy. This church has an enemy. Your marriage has an enemy. Your family has an enemy. Your children have an enemy. Your friends have an enemy. The people around you in this room have an enemy. This world has an enemy. 
And he's even now, as we sit in this room or watch online, making plans for our destruction. Question, who here believes that the Bible is true and that we can trust what it says? Awesome, right? Y'all do. Here's what the Bible says about our enemy, a few verses. First verse, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. John 10.10. That's what the thief, that's what your enemy, that's what Satan wants to do to your life and the lives of those you love. Steal, kill, and destroy. And you know what? As we look around at the bottom of his tray, he's doing a pretty good job. Snap, crackle, pop, zap, zap. Paul says the following in Ephesians chapter 6 about our enemy. A final word. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Someone say, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. I mean, Paul's making it clear in these verses that, that, that we are in a struggle, that we are in a fight, and not against people, but against the devil, against an unseen enemy, against a wicked enemy, against an enemy with mighty powers of darkness, against an enemy who has many strategies that he's been honing for centuries, all designed to attract you to his 40-watt ultraviolet light, so he can still kill and destroy. And listen, his primary all-consuming goal is to see you spiritually dead and separate, separate from God forever. Peter talked about this enemy in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be careful. Watch out for attacks from the devil. Why would Peter warn us to watch out from attacks from the devil? Because the devil is going to do what? He's going to attack us. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for some victim to devour. Here's some pictures for you. Okay, uh, that's, whoo. And here's, here, here's one. There's another one. That's, hey, there's no blood. Well, maybe a little. Okay. That's a, that's a warthog, by the way. Satan is our great enemy. And he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. I mean, you see the picture? A lion in the bushes watching his prey, looking for those who are weak and, and straggling behind alone, waiting for the right moment to pounce. When he finds it, he pounces and devours them. And again, he's prowling around our lives right now. And yet we can ignore it. But brothers and sisters, that does not make him go away. The final passage about our enemy is found in Revelation chapter 12, verse 17. A very, let me give you a little uh, background, very brief background on this chapter. John is writing about this great spiritual battle that Jesus won when he put on flesh, lived a sinless life, died and rose again. And when he did that, he really made Satan very angry. And we read this. Then the dragon became angry at the woman, that's the church, and declared war against the rest of her children, that's us. All who keep God's commandments and confess they belong to Jesus. See, Satan's angry because Jesus defeated him. He can't do anything to Jesus. 
So he turns his anger against you, against you, and against you. See, he's already declared war on us. The battle's already begun. Question, why do we choose to violate our values? Why do we voluntarily give in to things we know are going to be destructive? Why do we fly into the light? Why do intelligent people who really love God engage in actions and behaviors that they know dishonor God and will bring them shame? Again, the Bible teaches that a huge part is that we have an enemy. You know, almost 500 years ago, Martin Luther wrote a hymn called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And that speaks to this very thing that we're in a battle and that we have an enemy. It's sometimes called the battle hymn of the Reformation. And listen, you know, the Reformation really was a battle. Like thousands and thousands died to get the, get the word to the common person. And many times those who were led to execution would be found singing this song. And in that, he has these words about our enemy. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Do we have an enemy? We're in a war. Others say, we were not born into the wonderful war of Disney. We were born into the little war zone. Thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Check out what John Eldridge wrote in his book, Waking the Dead. If you haven't read that book and you had one of your spiritual goals or intellectual goals was to read some good books this year, Waking the Dead by John Eldridge, a very awesome book. Thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He writes, have you ever wondered why Jesus married those two statements? Do you even know he spoke them at the same time? I mean, he says them in one breath. And he has his reasons. By all means, God intends life for you. But right now, that life is opposed. Someone say, that life is opposed. opposed. It, It doesn't just roll in on a tray. There's a thief. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. In other words, yes, the author, yes, the offer is life, but you're gonna have to fight for it. Because there's an enemy in your life with a different agenda. So like it or not, whether we want to think about it or not, you have an enemy and you're in a war. And listen, I don't like that fact any better than you do. However, the sooner we acknowledge this truth, the better chance we will have of standing our ground against him. Amen? See, God's intentions for us are life, but that life, those intentions are opposed. And listen, until we come to terms with this reality of this war, we'll misunderstand most of what happens to us in life. I mean, like, have you ever, like me, wondered, why is it such a struggle for me to live the life that God has for me? Listen, maybe it's not that you just keep messing up and blowing it. Maybe it's because you're in a war and you have an enemy. Listen, Jesus wasn't kidding when he says we have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy the full life he died to give us. Therefore, we should not be surprised when he does that. And, and you know, one of the times I think that he, 
sometimes attacks the hardest is during the month of January. Why? Because January is that time, right, when a lot of us are like, you know what, this year really can be better. I can really be a better husband. I can really be a better wife, a better mom, a better dad, a better person, a better church member. I can, oh, I can really do these things. He doesn't want you to. Why do 25% of people bail out after one week of making a New Year's resolution, right? Why do 80% bail out after one month? Why do only 8% actually fulfill it? I think part of the reason there's an enemy. He doesn't want this year to be different, right? He doesn't want you to fill out your value in 250 gold. He doesn't want you to do that. We have an enemy, we're in a war, and our heart is his target. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Now, for many years, I've had PR423 on my license tag. You know what I found? Paying extra money for a specialized license tag does not really help me guard my heart. (laughs) I'm driving around, people hide in front. Here comes Steve Malone. Guard your heart, y'all. Right? It hasn't really helped all that much. It looks pretty cool, you know, but it doesn't really guard it all that much. Right? I got to guard it. A tag won't do it. Right? Nothing wrong with a tag. But that alone won't do it. Got to guard a heart because that's what he attacks. John Eldridge in that book, here's a quote I've shared countless times, but it means so much to me in the same book, Waking the Dead. And some of you need to really hear this. God brought you here right now to hear these words right here. Because when I read that in this book a decade or so ago, it just impacted me in such a powerful way. You are not what you think you are. There is a glory to your life that your enemy fears. And he's hell-bent on destroying that glory before you act on it. The story of your life is the story of the long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows who you could be. He fears it. He fears it. He fears you becoming who God created you to be. He fears Maple Grove becoming the church he intends for her to be. You have an enemy? And he is and always will be attacking your heart because everything flows from your heart. Not about you, but besides last February, right, I've had many heart attacks over the years. At times when the enemy has attacked my heart with his lies, lies about who I am, lies about who I can become, lies about where life can be found, lies that lure me into his light. And I've fallen into temptation and have gotten zapped. Doing things I should not do and not doing the things that I should do. And then my enemy, he uses my zapping to beat me up more. You see, he is both my tempter and my accuser, right? He tends me to do wrong. Do this, Steve. And when I do it, hey, hey, let me accuse you. Oh, I thought you loved God. I thought you loved God. I thought you believed in God. I thought you, he's my tempter and my, he gets us to do wrong and then he beats us up for doing wrong. I don't like him very much. We have an enemy or in a war, our heart's his target and temptation is his method. All right, we got to know our enemy, right? We have some, you know, we have some military guys in this room, right? If you're going to beat your enemy, you got to know your enemy. And what's his goal? His target is your heart. 
And, and what's his strategy? Temptation. Uh, there's a great verse in 1 Corinthians 10 that talks about temptation. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, it will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Three things about temptation here. Number one, expect temptation. Expect it. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You will be tempted. Don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard. And listen, we let this truth set in. If we expect temptation, that keeps us more awake and alert for the places that the roaring lion may be seeking to devour and for the times when we are most vulnerable, right? Maybe it's when you're tired. Maybe it's when you're stressed out. That's when it comes knocking at your door and the light seems all the more brighter to lure you in. No one's temptation free. And this means that our ability to identify and resist temptation is enormously important. Now, now there was an experiment done in psychology a few decades ago, and it's continued, about resisting temptation. And the way it worked was that they would leave like a kid around four or five years old in a room. I remembered to bring these. With the marshmallow. And they would say, hey, I'm going to leave the room, and if while I'm gone, you don't eat that marshmallow? When I come back, you can have two marshmallows. It's a test to see if kids can resist temptation. The original experiment was done many years ago, and they divide the kids into the grab the marshmallow now and the delay gratification resist temptation group. Check this out. They found that those who resisted temptation at the age of four grew up to be more socially competent, more decisive, to have a higher level of self-esteem, have less anger management issues, a lower rate of delinquency, a lower divorce rate than the grab the marshmallow now kids. And so I have a question for you. I'm not, I still want to throw a marshmallow. I like to throw things, but I can't. This wouldn't hurt that bad though. What's your marshmallow? Maybe. What's the temptation that you can't or won't resist? Understand, temptation is nothing more than a method of our enemy to lower us into his light and away from the life God has for us. So what's your marshmallow? What temptation of the enemy do you find difficult to resist? Maybe it's a problem with lust. Maybe it's gossip or anger or pride or lies or resentment or bitterness. Maybe it's experiencing pleasure, being popular or an addiction. And maybe it's a desire for the things of this world. And maybe it's putting off doing the things you know you should be doing in regards to your marriage, your family, your church, your spiritual growth. Maybe it's being so judgmental of other marshmallow eaters. So what's your marshmallow? Do you know? I'll tell you who knows. Your enemy knows. He knows where your weakness he knows where to attack you with his strength. The second observation is that God controls the intensity of our temptation. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. <laughs> this is, see, as a Jesus follower, 
There's no temptation that we'll ever face that is not first filtered through the loving hands and caring eyes of our Father. See, see, God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist as a Jesus follower. He doesn't make that promise to anyone. That's a promise he makes to us. I mean, doesn't that encourage you? Right? That, that it has to go through your dad first? Encouraging. But this also means we can never rationalize our sin by saying, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> it was just too powerful to resist. They made me do it. If they didn't, I wouldn't. Bottom line, God does not leave that excuse open to us. He never intended to. Resist the devil, James says, and he will flee. But it will flee, but it will take some resistance. Get it? I'm not sure you wanted it. Good. Here's the deal. God is great and God is good. He's with us all the time and he's watching so closely and he knows just how much we can handle. And he, and he will not let it go beyond that. And that is such good news. But again, that also means there are no excuses when it comes to falling into temptation. My circumstances are just so bad. I just, I'm so weak. I'm going through some really hard times. That's not the teaching of Scripture when it comes to you and I falling into temptation. Expect it. God controls the intensity and God always provides a way out. But when you're tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can stand up against it. And when we're tempted, we need to look around because there's always a way out. We might have to run. We might have to fight. It it might be just a big no or to exercise self-control, but there's always a way out. Like, Like maybe you're getting angry with someone, you feel it building up, you're about to lose it, right? And next thing you know, you get a notification on your phone. Verse of the day pops up. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. It's like, okay, God, I guess that's my way out. I was about to blow up. You knew I was losing it. You put the brakes on and you popped up a verse to give me a way out and not act in the wrong way. Expect it. God controls the intensity. He provides a way out. Listen, Jesus concludes this great prayer by talking about the realities of evil and about the need for our Father to lead us in such a way that we do not fall into temptation and find ourselves doing evil. Now, the word into is kind of huge to me. See, it's one thing to walk by a pig pen. It's another thing to fall into that pig pen, right? So Jesus includes a model prayer by saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from doing evil. And he wants us to pray that because we have an enemy, we're in a war, and because we really could end up doing evil stuff, and because none of the incredible stuff Jesus talks about in this prayer will ever become a reality in our lives unless we overcome our enemy and his plans to pull us away from Christ. I understand, in between us and being drawn into real community hour, in between us and seeing God as our Father who art in heavens, in between us and living a life that honors God, hallowed be your name, in between us and having the kingdom, this new way of life reigning over us and through us, in between us receiving and giving forgiveness, forgive us our trespasses, and we forgive those who trespass against us, stands a powerful enemy 
and on earth is not his equal. So Jesus concludes, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Listen, we need to pray those 11 words every day, more than once, and especially when we start today. Understand that before warned is to be forearmed, right? And what I want to briefly do is talk about some of the things we can do to overcome the enemy. We'll finish this next week, by the way, because it's like it matters. Now, we've already kind of talked about one already, right? You know, if we're to overcome temptation and falling into evil, we need to acknowledge we're in a war, and we need to know our enemy. Know his target, our heart, know his goal, still kill and destroy, and know his method, his battle strategy is temptation. Again, we're going to talk about a bunch more next week, but here's one that we can take home today. We're facing temptation. Ask God for help. Yeah, our enemy's too, too strong for us, but he's not too, too strong for God, right? I mean, on our own, we are toast, electrocuted, fried, laying on the bottom of his tray. But with God's help, we can resist and overcome. Amen? Wow. Amen? Amen. <laughs> You're all good, I know. Uh, I'm, like, I'm not making this up. Check this out. You, dear children, are from God, First John 4, 4. And have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Amen? God's greater. Hey, God, could you help? A little help here, God. And, and, and again, in that, 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 that battle hymn that Martin Luther wrote 500 years ago, here's a few of the words. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark is a fortress, never, fail, never failing, right? It's, it's not going to fail, it's not going to fall. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. Did we in our own strength confide? confide? Our striving would be losing. We depend on ourselves, we would lose. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. Doth ask who that might be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath is his name. From age to age the same. And he must win the battle. We ask God for help. Father, lead me not into temptation and deliver me from doing evil things. Not just evil big things, even evil little things. I I love you guys, and I do, and I want you to know this. There is evil in our world. Not all people are good. Not all people are trustworthy. Not all things are true. Not all experiences will grow you in your relationship with God. Yes, this world is filled with sin and sinners and Satan and demons and injustice and evil and folly, worldliness and darkness. And if we are naive and foolish and gullible, we're going to get caught being led into all kinds of temptation to sin and participate in evil and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. You see, those words are a, help, a heartfelt prayer to our Father. Father, I agree with you. I, I don't want to be led into temptation. I don't want to do evil things. I don't want to walk away from you, so keep me close. I don't want to dishonor, disobey, disrespect, or disregard you. So I'm asking you, could you please help me? Help me because sometimes I'm stupid. Sometimes I'm foolish. Sometimes when I'm tempted, I, I wander 
off and I'm prone to doing evil. Please help me to see what's coming so I can resist and avoid it. See, Jesus calls on us to pray this prayer because we all have a marshmallow. We all have weak points the enemy wants to attack. And too often we wait till after we fall to pray. Do we fall into sin to pray? Now, now, when you fall into sin, pray. Good thing to do, right? When you're in trouble, it's a good thing to cry out to God for help. Our, our Father's a good, good Father. He loves to deliver, redeem, restore His people, right? But it's even better to pray in advance. Pray before you fall into temptation. Before you end up doing evil. So pray offensively. Pray before. Pray before. Pray before you've blown it. Get it? Good. And that's why praying the Lord's Prayer is so important. That's why we should, with thought and understanding, pray this prayer every day and throughout the day. Because it really does have the power to change everything. Here's the, every one of us wrestles with this temptation business. We all have a marshmallow. And when we're wrestling, we need to remember, I want you guys to remember this. This little zapper. Next time you're tempted, maybe it's later today, maybe it's later this week, I want you to remember the damage it will do to your soul. Because giving in to temptation will cause you to violate your integrity. It can destroy a relationship. It can damage your reputation. It can create guilt, shame, and despair. It can disrupt and hinder your worship of God. It can lead you into hypocrisy and deception. Brother, it's just, it's just, it's just not good. So ask God to help you not to fall into it. Remember, God will not lead you to beyond what you can bear. He will always make a way out. Maybe you've been battling temptation for a long time. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe the truth is, the battle is not going so good. Maybe you're not even making all that much of an effort. Or maybe you're wondering right now, is there enough grace for me? Is there any hope? Will things ever be any better? Answer, yes, yes, and yes. Never forget that in Christ, there is always grace enough, amen? In Christ, there's always grace enough, amen? In Christ, there's always hope. In Christ, things can always get better. Yes, we have an enemy. He's strong, but God is stronger. And he's already won the battle. And he can and will deliver us. I want, gosh, this is sticky. <laughs> All right. Sorry. I could have kept that in my head, but you know how that goes, right? I'm going to close with some more words from the Battle Hymn of the Reformation. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him, right? God 
And Satan is not a fair fight. God will destroy him. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father God, we humbly come before you. And God, I'm in a room full of sinners, including me. And God, it's so easy sometimes for me to forget that there really is a war going on and that there's a powerful being that really does hate me and wants to destroy me. And God, so often I have willingly, knowingly flown into the light and felt the electricity of that 40-watt ultraviolet light bulb, God, flying right into his killing grid. But God, I thank you that you're greater than he is. And God, right now, I pray for anyone in this room. First, I pray for those who are excusing their sin. God, that they'll repent. And know that in you, there's always grace and forgiveness, God. We have but to repent to have your grace wash over us. And God, I pray this week as we venture out in this world, God, that, that we'll live strong for you, God. That we'll resist temptation. And God, we'll know and we'll know, God, and God, I pray for those who can hear a message like this, and that includes me, and just see all the times that we've we failed and we've fallen short. And the great accuser wants to keep us down, but Jesus, you came to lift us up. And God, thank you for always allowing us into your house. And I just pray as we sing, God, we recommit to you today. And rejoice in the fact that we get to live in the Father's house. In Jesus' name, amen.